Good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you, Will. Thank you, Sarah. We're going to be spending our time in that latter passage as we look at the last um, of the parables that Jesus tells and some very profound ones. Uh, and I'm going to pray that God would be with us uh, by his spirit and helping us um, to see the kingdom for the treasure it is. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your words to us. We thank you they are words of life. Please help us to hear them, to have open hearts and ears that would receive them and that we would love them for all that it means uh, for us. Amen. What is this thing worth? Uh, I wonder if you've ever had to appraise something to try and work out its value. Um, I mean, just before we had to do that, didn't we? Uh, with Stephen's game. So thank you, Stephen. That game was very helpful. Uh, when you had though, those two books there, you had the Beatrix Potter book and you had the Little Pilgrim's Progress, trying to work out which one is worth more. Um, or say you go to an antique store and you pick up something. Is this treasure? Is this trash? Uh, what is it that gives something its value, its worth? Well, we might say, as we saw in that, that example with the books, Uh, Perhaps it is how old that thing is. Uh, Who has it been written by something significant? Does it have a significant part of um, of history? Uh, In some cases, even does it have a defect? Is it unique? Uh, Often, if you get currency that's been printed with some defect, it could be worth quite a lot. So check your cash. Um, Of course, there are plenty of things that also don't have a financial value uh, figure attached to them, and yet we still think they're valuable. Uh, family photographs, letters from a friend, you know, family heirlooms, which wouldn't sell for much, but to us personally, we, we treasure them. They have a, a priceless, me, uh, priceless meaning. Uh, perhaps there are other things we value in life. Um, our work, we might find greater satisfaction in that. Uh, perhaps there's relationships um, with our children or our grandchildren or, or friendships, deep friendships. Or indeed, it might even be experiences. Um, going travelling or achieving great things. And indeed, if we, it's when we um, make mistakes in our valuation um, that we can feel regret and sorrow. Uh, the classic example, I suppose, is uh, the person who puts all their time and all their energy and love into their work at the expense of their family. And they realise later that they, in some regard, had, had missed out and should have valued that more. I mean, as we walk through life, there are going to be some things we value and some things uh, we don't. We have to make choices. And as Christians, we, we know the gospel has significance. It has value. I mean, how can it not? The kingdom of heaven, the eternal kingdom of God. The question is, do we appreciate it? Do you and I appreciate it to its full value? If you can imagine it in your, in your hands, right? Do we appreciate this um, as it should be appreciated? Is it our greatest treasure? Uh, That is uh, the question we come to, I think, uh, which Jesus challenges us with. Uh, I've got the outline there that it's all really about kingdom treasure in some regard. But how do we think about something that may seem so abstract, the kingdom of God, God's rule and reign over the cosmos? How is that going to be valued by us and become our treasure? We've got to think about that. So as we follow the outline, first we see the significance of finding the kingdom treasure. Uh, in last week's parable with the, uh, uh, the weeds, uh, Jesus spoke of a mixed world, uh, the coexistence of good and evil, but at some point there would be a separation, wouldn't there? That God would judge. 
and there would be uh, results for those who um, were sons of the kingdom and those who were not. And then Jesus, in some sense, bounces off this uh, and with his, final, uh, his concluding words that those who are the sons of the kingdom will end up uh, shining in radiance with the Father to speak of the value of the kingdom and indeed the value of finding the kingdom in the present age right, right now. So you've got a pretty simple stories, don't you? Two men who find treasure worth everything. Uh, the first is likely a labourer working in a field and he just stumbles upon the treasure while he's working by accident. Uh, this is basically uh, the ancient version of winning the lotto. And realising what he's got, he's got to secure it, so he goes and he buys the land uh, and whatever he has, it doesn't matter because he's got this bigger price. Then you've got the merchant who probably has some means if he's able to go and buy pearls uh, and he's patiently looking. But while there's all the other pearls around, he finds one that's of the greatest value and he sells all everything he has just so he can have this one, this one treasure. The first stumbles upon it by accident. The second is patiently searching. But what we see, don't we, in both cases is a, um, a deliberate and immediate response and a profound response in both, uh, a response of joy and of pursuit. Uh, so that's what we're going to unpack as we think about what does that mean? Like, what is Jesus trying to get at when he says the kingdom of heaven is, is like this? Well, to use Jesus' early words, I think what we're going to see is that where your treasure, there your heart is also. And that begins with understanding, with understanding what we have, right? You need to know what you have in order to respond rightly. I mean, there are many tales of people going to a garage sale and they come across what someone is just wanting to get rid of and throw out and they realize they have a priceless artwork or some artifact of immense value. Um, even though it might just look like a bit of rubbish. Or indeed, you have um, you know, the mining prospector just flying over the desert land and he notices that what is kind of seen as a barren land is orange and perhaps there is iron ore there. I mean, that is the story, uh, apparently, of Lang Hancock, um, the ma- mining magnet. And perhaps not everyone will understand its value. Uh, you can imagine the response of some of the others who see the man buying the field, selling everything he has, like, why... Why are you doing that? You're a bit nuts. But the man knows the value of what he has. But as I've said, not everyone will necessarily see that or understand it. And that's the same with the gospel, isn't it? We know that people hear the gospel truth. They understand it on a cognitive level. And yet it makes no impact. Right? They might even grow up in a Christian family and hear it time and time and time again. But the truth never penetrates to the heart. Uh, People can have all sorts of reasons, I think, to decide that they don't, you know, they don't really want the, the treasure that Jesus is speaking about. They might think, well, I'm self-sufficient. You know, I've got what I need. They might believe, well, I don't believe there is a God. Or I don't really want to believe there is a God. Or perhaps it's I want to live out my own truth. Um, I want to find my own truth that works for me rather than have something from the outside come and impose upon me. Or perhaps I can have a pretty good life now. Right? I don't want to follow after fairy tales of things perhaps to come. Uh, and indeed, in Australia, you can have a very, a very good life, uh, materially speaking. And so people can hear the news of Christ, and yet it makes no impact. As Jesus says, it's like seeing without perceiving. It's hearing without understanding, and their hearts are close to the truth. Uh, 
And that is a great tragedy because you're throwing out an object or not seeing the object of great value. And indeed, we as Christians can fall into that trap. Um, You know, we can know the kingdom of heaven is important. It's good to be a Christian. What a wonderful thing. But because it can seem far away, uh, so often the allurements of the world um, can kind of crowd out uh, the, the glory of what we have in eternal life. It's much easier, I think, to you know, imagine a big, a big mansion or the, a wonderful lifestyle, you know, the classic comfortable Blue Mountains lifestyle, than it is to imagine that the kingdom of God. But that can be a distraction to the thing that really matters. I mean, we had the story of the, um, uh, the rich man who comes to Jesus. He seems so close. And yet the stumbling block is he has his treasure ultimately elsewhere in his material wealth. But what needs to happen with understanding is we need to see, I guess, the world in a radically different way. And it starts with seeing uh, our need. Right? You need to see that you have a sense of spiritual need, that we are in trouble as sinners. I mean, that's what is Jesus is part of. It's so key to the kingdom of God. It is wonderful news because we are sinners and it is a saving kingdom. And indeed, when we think about and evaluate um, and appraise, let's say appraise what Jesus has done for us, what's the value of that? What do we see? Well, what do we see? We, we see Forgiveness, this is just speaking broadly of what we see, of all the New Testament speaks about, we see forgiveness. We see adoption by him, uh, adoption to the Father. Um, we see sanctification, he is making us holy. We see God is now recreating us in his image. He's given us his Holy Spirit to unite us to him, to guide us by his power. He's brought us together as a family of people under his rule. His son right now, if you trust in him, is interceding for you. We have the Father. We dwell with him and he dwells in us. Eternal life, perfect relationship with God. I mean, Paul can say, if you have Jesus, you have every, every spiritual gift. It doesn't matter if you stumble into it uh, or if you've been seeking it for a long time. If you see Jesus and you trust in him, then suddenly you have this wonderful treasure in front of you and it is yours. And um, I guess as, as Bill pointed out with his question in the game earlier, what does it cost? In some sense, it costs nothing. It's free. And what a gift Jesus has died for us and has given this to us. God has not spared his only son, but given him so we can might have this. It costs nothing. And yet in some sense, it costs everything. We then have to give our whole self. It's not like a bargain. You're not trying to pay off and buy your way into eternal life. But in some sense, everything that you have becomes his. You are his. And indeed, on that front, nothing else matters but the kingdom. I mean, we have this wonderful gospel freedom, don't we? Suddenly, this changes the way we have to see the world um, and think about the world. I think we're freed from many, um, a human, many human anxieties. I mean, what if things go wrong in life? You know, what if we don't measure up to the expectations of society, of others, of ourselves? Well, that's not the most important thing anymore. I think we're freed from pursuing and chasing what the world chases of clout, of wealth, of, um, of affirmation. We can be free of the worry of our own mortality. What comes after death? Where am I going to be? Indeed, that's why Paul says, I consider everything, everything rubbish compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ my Lord. 
God gives us many good things, but compared to what we have in Jesus, it's nothing. I guess the question is, do you see and understand the value of what we have in Jesus? Because if you do, there is this response I think we see in the parables that they kind of show us. We have the man, and how does he respond? The man, the laborer, he responds with joy, doesn't he? Unmitigated joy, because this treasure has changed the trajectory completely of his life. And when we look at Jesus' ministry, we kind of see pictures of that, of what the kingdom looks like, little snapshots, don't we? Being brought into the kingdom is like being blind and then seeing. It's like being deaf and hearing, being mute and able to speak, being under spiritual darkness, and then being freed from that. It's as if everything is suddenly made right. That's what it is to be in the kingdom. And the Christian life should come with joy. It should come with a great happiness. Now, I'm not speaking of a state of just permanent kind of elation. Um, we know that life can be full of misfortune. It can be depressing. It can be full of tears. I've been reading um, the stories of Winnie the Pooh to my children. And um, the character I find very painful uh, to listen to is Eeyore, the donkey. You might know Eeyore the donkey because it's never good news for Eeyore. It's always bad news for Eeyore. And even the good that happens, you know, you can I imagine his voice. Uh, it's all going to go away in the end anyway. So, and we can kind of have maybe that attitude as Christians. We can think, maybe not it's all going to go away, but we can think, ah, oh, yeah, it's a bit of a burden. Can I, all right, I've got to go. I know I need to read my Bible. I've got to read my Bible. All right, I know I've got to pray. I know I've got to go to church. There's lots of other things on in life. And maybe we can see um, it as a burden even in, in how we're called to live. Uh, okay, I know I need to think about my money or, um, you know, the way I treat this and that uh, differently. Um, I, I know I can't go along with how everyone else is doing things. But, um, brothers and sisters, I hope if we understand the value here that this is true and real, and if we have this hope in Jesus, then we are the luckiest people on the face of the planet. Uh, Warwick and Jessica shared before um, about you know, those, the Persian Christians who are persecuted and under hardship, and yet they are indeed far more, um, so it seems so strange, they are far more blessed than to live with a mansion in Vaucluse and to not have Jesus, to have everything um, yet to have nothing. The application here, here is how good is Jesus? Um, because what fills us with joy, that is what we will then pursue. We all pursue things that we w- will make us happy to some degree, right? We, we, we buy things because we think they'll give us something good or we work for satisfaction, you know, we build relationships. I mean, even those who are engaged in kind of illicit activities that aren't good, um, you know, they, they pursue... Um, drugs or pornography, they're actually, in some sense, they're searching for a kind of joy. It is a misdirected joy, uh, but no more misdirected, I guess, in some sense, than all of us who pursue things outside um, of Christ as ultimate things, I should say. Because God gives us many gifts, but if we pursue them without, um, I guess, the lens of the kingdom, they're only going to be sowing for us seeds of sorrow because they're not going to last and the things of this life will not satisfy And yet, as humans, we often go in this direction. But if we see the treasure of the kingdom for what it is, if we see Jesus for who he is and what he has done for us, 
I guess it's kind of like falling in love. Put it that way. Because when you, when you love someone, I mean, in some sense, you, you sacrifice things for them, but you don't really do, because it's not a sacrifice. You're, 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 you're not giving, you're not, maybe you're giving up something, but you're not really giving up because you love them. It's a bigger thing that you have. The prayer book puts it in a wonderful way. It says, God's, in God's service, there is perfect freedom. You know, it's what the merchant sees. He sees that even if he has this one pearl, he doesn't need all the other pearls. Uh, to use the, um, the well-worn Jim Elliot quote, you know, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. If we have joy in these things, I think we will then pursue them, won't we? Because it's not just passively having contentment, right? But you pursue the things you love. Uh, I've been listening to a podcast, a history podcast, uh, about Christopher Columbus. Uh, and Christopher Columbus, a complicated man, um, but a very, very driven man. Uh, and his whole thing, his whole aim was to try and um, find a new way of getting to Asia instead of having to go all the way around Africa to try and go across the Atlantic. Um, that was his hope and dream. Uh, unfortunately, uh, it would kind of work, but in the way are the Americas, which he found. Um, but he was driven by it. He spent years preparing for this, pursuing it relentlessly. And we see that in the, uh, in the parable, don't we? They don't hesitate. They go for it. They don't wait for it to fall in their lap. And so I guess what I want to emphasize for us is we come to Jesus, we trust in him. We want to fix our eyes and pursue him. Because we can get to the point where we, we know what we've got in Jesus, but well, I guess in the same way that I can often get pretty lethargic and tired spiritually, well, sorry, tired physically in the afternoon, we can get tired and lethargic spiritually. We're just kind of happy to you know, drift along. But what the Bible, I think, and the scriptures remind us is that we're not going to passively, you don't passively drift towards Christ, right? That's like trying to sit in a boat in the middle of the Atlantic and just kind of drifting along and hoping you'll end up in the exact spot you want to go. No, it's an everyday thing of fixing our eyes on Jesus and pursuing him and the things that he has given us. I guess it's, it's seeking a deeper knowledge of him. It's um, seeking to be more intimate with him and, and with God in prayer, of being involved in the lives of one another in, in our church congregation. Uh, perhaps it's cutting off things that you need to cut off. I mean, whatever you do, it's kind of a turning um, of everything on its head. And I know before I said there is nothing but the kingdom, but because of the kingdom, in some sense, everything now matters. And you see it through this lens and you can have a a capacity now to treat things um, as God calls you to treat them and do things that almost seem unimaginable. As um, Warwick and Jessica were sharing before, um, you know, the Persian couple who were going and supporting people, they, they could have just stayed home. You know, but they, they, they went out because they wanted to love and serve. And amazingly, they got a chance to share Jesus with others. And so I guess um, we have to start seeing our lives as we pursue Jesus through a kingdom lens. How are you bringing all things under the, the wonderful lordship um, of Christ, who is now yours and you are his? We then come to the parable of the nets. Uh, I know we looked at the parable of the weeds last week, so I'm not going to spend as much time on it. But to say, it, it warns us of the, the vow, uh, of the danger of rejecting the, the kingdom treasure. Um, the focus is less on the coexistence of good and evil and more, I guess, on the separation. 
Uh, but it, it, what it points us to is God's valuation of what matters. Um, the message goes out, you know, drags, we don't know, you know, because drags people in, in terms of the metaphor. Um, and, we, you know, who's going to be in the mix? Well, there's going to be some who reject Jesus, some who are half-hearted responses, some who are here for a bit, then go, and then some who receive the message. But there is going to be a time of accounting and how do things play out? Well, those who are righteous, i.e. those who have not trusted in themselves, but in Jesus' righteousness, uh, they will receive life. And those who have not, uh, we're told there, there is judgment and there is wrath. And part of the reason the gospel is the treasure that it is, is because it's saving news, isn't it? It's beautiful because we, as sinners, have been saved by grace, by God's mercy. And Jesus warns us, I think, and he warns us of wrath so much, not because he wants us to just sit in fear, but that, I guess, perhaps the danger would, would prompt us to act and to seek God and to know um, his love for us. So it can be much, I guess it can be easy to play the, the short game in this life, uh, to look and pursue the things that are visible and tangible. And indeed, even those who think they're playing the long game, really, you know, 80, 90 years, um, what's that in the scheme of eternity? Uh, not long. Don't let the, the treasure pass you by, I guess. If you do not know Jesus, um, come to him and you will find grace and forgiveness and uh, a treasure beyond your imagining. We finally come to um, the, final, the final couple of verses, uh, interesting verses actually. Um, the question of understanding comes up first. Jesus asks basically, do you get it to his disciples? That's been the key uh, between the disciples and the crowds. Um, understanding Jesus has been explained to them and if you get it right as they seem to at this point or they seem to kind of understand what's going on with the kingdom they haven't quite worked out what Jesus is as we who Jesus is as we will see um, but they'll want others to to see and share the good news with them too and it ends with this almost uh, cryptic statement we had a bit of discussion as a staff team we looked at the bible uh, this week about this verse um, because it almost seems like there's a parable which then leads to another parable if, if that makes sense, uh, where Jesus says, therefore, every teacher of the law who has become like a disciple in the kingdom, who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven, is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storehouse new treasures as well as old. That's verse 52. And when Jesus says teachers of the law, he means um, most likely scribes, uh, experts on the Old Testament. And what are they there to do? Well, they're there to know the law really well, to teach people how it's meant to be applied and lived out, right? They're the educators. And as Jesus kind of puts it in the metaphor, um, they're only really at this point able to bring out the old truths as they understand in the law. But if they come to the kingdom, that is, if they they, uh, become Jesus' disciples, they can bring out new treasures, the truths of what the kingdom is doing, because the Old Testament and the New Testament are obviously intimately connected, right? What the Old Testament is pointing to the New Testament fulfills. And Jesus is saying they will be like an owner in a storehouse who brings out good provisions and treasures uh, for others to to see. Unfortunately, as we will find uh, in the next couple of chapters, um, the teachers of the law, the scribes, they, they don't. They don't do this. They don't get it because they are not yet disciples of the kingdom. So why does Jesus make this kind of general uh, description about them? Well, in some sense, this is what the, um, 
uh, the disciples are going to do. They're going to fulfill the role, I guess, that the, the scribes had, except with the message of the kingdom of heaven. They're going to bring, be bringing out old and new treasures. And indeed, we see that because we have the Bible before us, don't we? Right? Jesus tells his disciples and explains to them the parables, and now they have preserved that for us. So we may also see the truth and the treasures uh, that are in God's word. And indeed, that, I guess, points us to a couple of things. It points us to the, the fact we have the inspired word of God in your hands, the word that speaks to, to God's will and to his truth. We have the key, I guess. Um, it reminds us of the importance of the Old Testament. Don't neglect the Old Testament. Uh, it's far more than just a book about the background of the New Testament. It's God-inspired word. But read the Old Testament through the lens of Jesus. And indeed, that will actually bring out new truths in the Old Testament because it, it points to him. It's all about him. The whole, the whole of Scripture is about Jesus when it comes down to it. But it also tells us that God's treasures are to be shared. I mean, a teacher, what are they meant to do? They're meant to be a provider, right? Like the person who goes into the storehouse and the treasures and then brings them out. And we can um, often find ourselves in the Christian life, we get to a level of knowledge and understanding, and we think, okay, that's probably good enough. I don't want to become a minister, um, you know, or an academic. Like, it, this will serve me well. But I think the encouragement here is if we see what we have in God's word, keep going, keep learning the scriptures, keep learning and, and thinking about theology, about how things piece together, because God's given us his word that we should use it. It's kind of like a treasure that contains even more treasures. Uh, it's not like my mum's, um, you know, tea set in China, which while it presumably has a function, never gets used because it's just sitting there. The word of God is to be used by us and heard and loved. And indeed, we can draw out of it truths that change our lives, that changes people's lives. You know, so if you've got children, grandchildren, read the scriptures with them. Perhaps one of the best ways to evangelize is just to sit down with someone and to read the Bible one-to-one. Well, we come to the end. Well, what is the kingdom worth? Well, it's worth everything, isn't it? And why is it worth that when we look at it, when we see it for what it is? Why? Well, when we find the kingdom of God, we find Jesus. You find God, you find yourself as, as you should be, and you find eternal life. And indeed, while that is not yet seen in full, we know and have Christ's promise that one day we will see it for what it is. And where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So don't turn what we have in Christ into the doorstop or just one thing among many. Let's pursue Jesus as the greatest treasure of all. Let's see our lives through this treasure. Um, And so I'm going to pray uh, that we would do so uh, in whatever way God is currently calling us to do. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have loved us with so many gifts, with so many blessings, that we have life and breath and everything in you. And yet we praise you because you have given us the greatest gift of all, your Son. You have given us the kingdom through him. Please help us to see that as as the, the greatest news that we could ever have, that our hearts would cling to it that it would transform our lives, our loves, 
And Heavenly Father, we pray that when our hearts, which are so prone to, to wandering and to pursuing other, to other gifts or things that are perceived as treasures, please bring us back and help us see what we have in him. And please help us um, to, to see this and, and that it would transform the way we, we live and interact with others, uh, that we would pursue your son and a deeper relationship and knowledge of him that we want others to have that same wonderful joy of having the treasure of the kingdom. We pray all this in your son's precious name. Amen.